You know, the word says to, to desire the spiritual gifts. Remember that? So we need to covet. In fact, the word use, is used is covet the spiritual gifts. And that's the gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, healing, and all those. So <clears throat> I want to see those gifts work in our church, right? And, uh, well, <clears throat> they won't work unless we really desire that. You know, that's something that God has left up to us. I mean, it's his gifts and it's the Holy Spirit. And the gifts work by the Spirit. But we also have responsibility. It's 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12 or 14. But it said, let me just read it to you because I want to give you the right passage. Um, yeah, chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Desire them. So my assumption is we can't just sit back and just say, Lord, let, let it happen. There has to be some part on us to, to want that. Doesn't that make sense? You know, we've got to want. You know, God is a respecter of what you want. He, he's, in fact, Psalm 37 said he gives the desires of our heart. I know you say, well, I might have a desire that's out of the will of God. Well, we have the word and the Holy Spirit to guide us in our desires, but... So I just want to encourage you in that so that when we come together, <clears throat> uh, even Wednesday night or any time, I mean, the gifts don't just have to work when we meet together, but certainly that is a time when they can, right? So when people can prophesy or uh, uh, whatever, you know, comes to your heart. So let, let's be sensitive to that. All righty, John chapter 14. I want to talk here just here in a couple of weeks. I want to start, start unless the Lord leads differently, I want to begin to talk about prayer. We're in a very critical time in our nation. We all know that. And prayer is our responsibility. God is a mighty, powerful God. He's in heaven, but he's given us the ability to make petitions, to pray for ourselves as well as other people, for our nation. And you know, a lot of folks say, well, I believe in prayer. Well, I do too, but so does every other religion in the world. Believes, they believe, all believe in prayer. But we believe in God. And that's why we believe prayer works, right? So I want to start talking about that because we really need to, need to be focusing in on prayer for our nation and just for God's will to be done. And uh, so prepare your heart. But to, to, to this morning, <clears throat> I wanted to share one more time on our hearts, particularly uh, not letting our hearts be troubled. Chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he went on to say that there were many dwellings in his father's house. He went to prepare a place. We know he's already done that. And Thomas said to him, verse 5, Lord, we're, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like I've said this many times, but these chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, some of the best words and teachings of the Word of God that, that we have. I, I've read them so many times, so I encourage you to read them. Just, you know, meditate. Eat the Word. God's Word works. Amen? It'll work. So Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. But the fact is, every one of us, our hearts are going to be troubled. You can't get through life without that happening. 
In fact, Jesus himself said, in John chapter 12, he said, my heart is greatly troubled, or my soul, some translate it, is troubled. So Jesus had a troubled soul too. So he never tells us to deny what's going on the inside of us, no matter what it is. He never says that. that that's not faith. And I know there's been some teaching that might make you think that we're not supposed to confess something, a reality, whether it's sickness or even depression or sorrow. So on. He didn't say deny it, but Jesus did tell us what to do about it. So he said believe. So he told us what to do. So that's what we're going to. We're going to look at. So in chapter 14, again, of John, verse 1, I have read this passage. I don't know how many times I've preached from it. Um, I've done a lot of funerals because I worked in hospice, and I've always used this one. In fact, I can remember one time when I did not read this passage in the the funeral home. And then there was a graveside as well. So we went out to the graveside, and before the service, the young man came to me and said, you didn't read John chapter 14. (laughs) I said, okay, sorry, my mistake. I will read John 14. <laughs> it's like it goes with funerals. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, you know, I've read it so many times, but I read it here this this past week, and I saw something I'd never seen before. And I thought, wow, now, is God's word that powerful and living that you could read it a thousand times and a thousand and one, all of a sudden something Holy Spirit speaks to you. And then you say, I've never seen that before. <laughs> That's right. That's why we need to value this, this book. It's not just a book. This is God's covenant bond. This is, this is the, it's just like a will and testament. When my folks, mother, my dad died first, then my mom, and they had made a trust. So we went into the, uh, I guess it was attorney, and <clears throat> that was a legal document. It was like a, a last will and testament. Well, this is just the same. And, and it was recognized by the laws of our land. Well, this is recognized by God's law, which is higher than the laws of this land. It's higher than any natural law on the face of the earth. Th- this is truth. It's God's bond. And it's a Holy Spirit book. That means we can read it and the Spirit of God who's inside us will teach us. He'll bring things to our mind and He'll instruct us and He'll correct us. He can do that. He wants to do that. Well, let me show you what. Is this real simple? You may say, well, I saw that a long time ago. Well, that's good. Good for you. Okay. I, I didn't. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Well, did they, the disciples, believe in God? Of course they did. That wasn't a question. They were Israelites. You know, they weren't perfect and they worked. They were fishermen and other things. But they did they believe in God? Of course they did. They said, you believe in God. You do believe in God. Then he said, you believe also in me. I thought, oh. So they still had some doubts. They did because they didn't fully understand who, who, he, who he was, who he still is. In fact, as you read on down, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And from now on, you know you know how to get there. You know the way. You know where I'm going. And it was Thomas who said, Look, we don't know where you're going. You know, I, we'll, if wherever you're going, we want to go with you, but we don't know what you're talking about. Where are you going? And we don't know the way either. Jesus said, Of course, then he said, I'm the way. But then he said, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. If you would have known me, you should have known my father. And I'm sure they looked at him and thought, 
Lord, show, in fact, he said that. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. You know, we want to see the Father. We want to know the Father. Yeah, it's awesome. Show us the Father and we'll, and we'll be satisfied. We'll shut up. We'll quit bothering, you know. Just show us the Father. And then he said in verse 9, have I been with you so long, Philip? Have you not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Like Jesus saying, guys, don't you get it? Of course, they were saying, no, we don't get it. So Jesus said, yeah, you believe in God, but I want you to believe in me. But what did he want them to believe? See, that's the key. We all believe in God, and they did as well. But do you notice that he, he connected? Don't let your hearts be troubled with believing. Believe in God, but also you believe in me. Because the key to getting healed and, and to, to controlling, you could say, our heart when it's troubled is by believing in God, yes, but also believing in the Son. You say, well, I believe in God, I believe in the Son. What, what, no, what are you talking about? Well, verse 6 again, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, you ought to write this down, at least make it a note in your mind. That verse 6 is an answer for every problem, every situation, every circumstance, every temptation, every attack, Anything the enemy or, or could bring to us or anything else that could happen in this world, verse 6 is the answer. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way. The way to what? Well, the way to God. But he's also the way to success, is he not? He's the way to peace. He's the way to joy. He's the way to power. He's the way to fulfillment. He's the way to healing. He's the way to deliverance. He's the way to everything that's good because he is totally, completely good. I, I am the way. Jesus, remember what the Lord told Joshua? He said, meditate in the word and then you will make your way prosperous. Jesus is the way to prosperity. He's the way to answer prayer. He's the way to the presence of God. He's the way to, to anything that's broken our hearts. And we all, like I said, we're all going to have a broken heart occasionally. Jesus said, I am the way. So what did he want them to believe? Don't let your hearts be troubled because I am the way. I'm the way to the Father. I'm the way to forgiveness. I, I, I'm, I'm the way to life. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Because that truth issue is a big one when our hearts are disturbed, when our hearts are troubled. In fact, in chapter 16, Jesus began to tell him, he said, I'm going to go away uh, from you. And he said, it's, and he said verse eight, uh, 6, says, because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. So their hearts were troubled because you said, I'm going to leave. And if we'd have been there, our hearts would have been troubled too. You know, uh, when two of our leaders said they're going to leave, our hearts were a little troubled. Now we love them, we bless them. Pat's going to bring the word next week and then we're going to pray for them and, and uh, release them into the ministry that God's called them to do. Well, that's normal, isn't it? Sure, our hearts are troubled. So Jesus said, I am going to leave you. And I'm sure they thought, wow, that's, that's going to be different. And he was only about 33 years old. Why did he need to leave then? I'm sure they thought, you, we've got, you have your life in front of you, and yet you're going to leave? Well, so what did they need? Their hearts was troubled. Here's what they needed. Verse 7, just John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
If I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So in that situation, and that's the same for every circumstance, everything, every temptation, every trial, every time your heart is troubled, what we need is we need the truth. See, because their hearts were troubled because he said, I'm going to go away. All right, how can anything, I mean, how can we have a settled heart, Jesus, if you're leaving us? Jesus said, well, you need to know the truth. And here's the truth. The truth is, it's going to be better for you because I'm going to send another comforter. Someone else will just exactly like me, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to live inside you. And it's going to be good. And they found that out, you know, for a while. I uh, heard a really neat testimony. Uh, this fellow was uh, testified. He had gone to... Uh, Switzerland, I believe. He shared this on Rodney Howard Brown's uh, church. Um, he has a TV program. has a big church in Florida. And uh, this guy was sharing. He said uh, he, he does missions. And, and he, he said I was going through, I think it was Switzerland. And I was on this train. And there were some guys nearby. And, you know, I didn't think anything about it. So he said we got off the train. And these guys, he said I was trying to talk a little French to them and so on. And. And uh, they were talking to him, seemed like nice. And so when I got off the train, they were right there. One of them was just right close and the other right behind him. And he thought, I don't think this is right. <laughs> and sure enough, they got kind of away wherever they were going. They kind of got into a secluded area. And one of the guys pulled a knife and he said, give, give us your, your phone and your money and we won't kill you. Now, this guy's a preacher. You know, he's a, he's a minister and he... He thought, in fact, his father had been mugged and killed. So he thought, this is not going to happen to me. So he said, no, you're not doing it. I'm not going to give you either. I'm not going to give you my phone. I'm not going to give you my money. Together, the guy showed him the knife and kind of came at him. And he, he, he said, I started kicking and so on, kind of fighting a little bit. And uh, the guy said, this 400-pound uh, fella was pretty agile. Because the guy, the, this, the Christian, the missionary, whatever, he was weighed, he said he weighed 400 pounds. And he was, he was short and you could tell he was a big guy. He said, I started kicking him and so on. And, and uh, you know, and he started, I think he started praying in tongues or something. And they still were right there. And then in just a few seconds, a carload of teenagers came. And when they did, the two guys ran off. Now, you know, the, the, the brother, the minister thought, Lord, where were the angels of God? I mean, why did this happen? You know, he was really disturbed and he, his heart was troubled about it. Thankfully, he was all right. But he thought, why, you know, where were you, Lloyd? He's like, God, you know, thankful that I didn't get hurt, but still. That's right. That's true. That's a big part of it. It was. <laughs> well, uh, he, he made a report of it, you know, to the police. And a couple of days later, they gave him a call, and he said, I want you to come down to the station and identify the guys. We think we have them. And sure enough, it was them. So the officer that was talking to him said, you know, this is pretty strange. And really, we're pretty surprised that you didn't get hurt, and that he didn't really, you know, stick you or something. And the officer said, you must have had a lot of angels around you. <laughs> that was the police officer's word. And then all of a sudden, the brother thought, yeah, Lord, they were there. So what did he need? Again, I share this story. It's a cool story, but you know, what did he need? He needed to know the truth. The truth is they were there. Because a lot of times the reason our hearts are troubled and stirred, we get into a lot of fear and, and doubts and all that, is because we don't know the truth. We think the Lord's abandoned us, and we start 
you know, looking at our circumstances, I, I talked to a fellow uh, believer. Uh, he, he goes to another church. He's, he's a fine gentleman. He's a little past 16. He, and I asked him, I said, well, how's your work going? I said, as far as the pandemic and all, he said, we were laid off back in March. And uh, he told me what he did. And he said, you know, I've been laid off since then. And he said, I don't think they're going to rehire again. He said, plus, you know, I'm past 60 years old. And he said, people don't want to hire, you know, older people and so on. And, and he began to say that. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity. And I said, this, this is an opportunity. Because what does the Bible say? I said, you know, you're a child of God. And the children of God have favor. You've got favor. I didn't say it, but I thought it. It doesn't matter if you were 120. If you're a child of God, you got favor. Yeah, but, but, you know, people don't want to hire those that are old and so on. Well, that may be true. Okay, I realize that that's in this world that we live in. But Jesus, his kingdom transcends. It's higher than. Therefore, the principles of the kingdom and the truths of the kingdom always take precedence over these natural things. You say, but, but yeah, but, you know, we, we can live in that earth realm if we want and say, and like I said, he, he, we're not supposed to deny it. He, was, he didn't have a job. He was laid off. In fact, the vast majority of the employees were laid off. That's true. But, and we, we talked a little bit, and he, he was encouraged, and he was, he was a good believer and so on. But, I, I, you know, again, what do we need in every circumstance of life, no matter what it is, we need to know the truth, and Jesus is the truth. He's it, and he's the life. He's the way to abundant life. I, uh, I was sitting out here just recently out in the backyard and in a rocking chair just kind of meditating uh, just in the evening. and So I read the word a little bit, but it's getting dark, so I went back in. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, go back outside. I want to talk to you. I said, good. Can we hear God? Can you hear God? Huh? Sure. I, I know sometimes we kind of struggle with that, but, and that's not my subject, but where is the Holy Spirit? He's on the inside of us. So where's the voice going to come from? It's going to come from the inside. It's not just going to come from our head because that can get us all messed up. So I uh, went back outside and sat back in the rocking chair, and uh, I said, all right, Lord, what is it? And, and here's what I felt like the Lord was saying. He said, what do you see? I said, well, I see Yard's pretty nice. I'd cut the yard, trimmed it, looked pretty good. And, uh, garden, garden has grown. Them tomatoes grown so much, man, they're all just in each other. It's, well, I should have done a lot more pruning. There's a good illustration there, by the way. But, but that's, uh, and I, I said, you know, a nice house, our neighbors, and said, we're blessed and so on. You know, Holy Spirit said, you know, I see something you don't see. I see those mosquitoes that are buzzing around you, <laughs> biting you on the leg and something. I see the spiritual world that we don't see. There is a world of unseen spirits. There's the ministering spirits of God, the angels of God that are sent forth to minister for us because we're inheritors of salvation. But then there's the demons. And their only desire is to mess with us, is to trouble our hearts, is to bug us, is to attack us physically, mentally, and emotion. That's their only desire. We don't have to get freaked out about it. We don't have to get paranoid about it. But it's a reality, isn't it? And Jesus said, in fact, in, in this passage, we'd have to go back a couple of chapters, but he said this, the ruler of this world is coming. This chapter 14, verse 30, if you want to 
follow, but it says, I will not talk much longer with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. The truth is the, the evil spirits who are, there's one devil, right? There's one fallen angel called Satan. But then there's a hierarchy of evil spirits. I don't want to get so much into this because that's not what I'm talking want to talk about. But, but there are demon spirits that go about, as, as Peter said, seeking whom they, whom they may devour. They're the ones that are causing us trouble. They cause people problems. They cause relational problems, national, national problems. It's the spirits. What's the truth about it? Our hearts may be troubled because the, the devil may attack us in all kinds of ways. The truth is, Jesus said, they don't have anything to do with me. And you and I can say the same thing. We are in authority. So if, if, if they're bugging you, step on them. Resist them. Cast them out. The thoughts, every thought that comes into your mind is not from God. Everything that happens to you. I'm not saying we need to get real paranoid. I've seen folks that were, you know, devils are tripping them up in the house and doing all kinds of things. And I don't want to get over there, but the fact is they're real. And we can really resist them by faith. All right. You with me on that? <laughs> all right. Again, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. All right, let's go to chapter 12. We'll, we'll close with this one. Jesus told us to believe, and as I shared last week, we not only believe, but we also speak. Look at this passage. Jesus is, is teaching a wonderful word there in chapter 12. Um, it's on pri previous to verse 27, but that's the one I want to get to, verse 27. Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled. So did Jesus deny that his soul was troubled? He said, it's troubled. Notice the next thing he said. He said, and what shall I say? My soul's troubled, so what am I going to say about it? See, Jesus knew the power of his words. He knew the connection of his words and his heart and what he believed. What, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Uh, what, what a powerful principle. When your soul or your heart is troubled, ask yourself this question. What shall I say? What are we going to say about it? When, when your soul is troubled... And you're sad, you're depressed, or maybe you're sick and there's attacks and it's all kinds of things that happen. Like I said, we don't deny that our soul is troubled, but we need to ask this question. What am I supposed to say? Well, Lord, what do you want me to say? He said, shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Saints, this is a major key to you and I when we get in those places where our soul is messed up and we're hurt, what are we going to say? It doesn't mean we don't say, man, I'm really hurting, I'm troubled, I'm worried about it. If we are, we are. But then we need to go the next step. All right, God, what do you want me to say? What is the truth? The truth is, for this purpose, Jesus said, I came to this place. Therefore, Father, glorify your name. And the truth is, Whatever's going on with you, here's like what Paul said in Romans 8. 
He said, what shall we say to these things? Paul asked the same question several times in the book of Romans. He said, what do, what do I say about these things? He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? So what do we say? We simply say what God said about our situation. Is that what you're saying? Proverbs 12, 25, I've given it to you so many times. I know you memorized it by now. But it says, uh, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Hey, folks get depressed sometimes. They get sad, you know. They, they get, you know, we have a, in fact, the mental health uh, professionals are saying, we, we may really be in trouble here because of the pandemic, the shutdown, the people being isolated and so on. Uh, it's, causing a, it's causing a major problem. The suicide hotlines are way up. Uh, let me give you, a, I was listening to a, it was, oh, it was May 21st, I believe it was. Um, I just went online, and there were so many articles. Uh, one article said uh, this pandemic is pushing America into a mental health crisis. Uh, another one, experts warn surge of suicides are tied to the virus. But this, um, this news thing, it was ABC News, May 21st, and they interviewed a doctor of uh, John Muir Medical Center in Walnut Creek, California. And he said, we are seeing a year's worth of suicide attempts, one year's worth, in four weeks' time. Others came on and said, it's unprecedented. Well, what's happening? People's hearts are getting messed up. They're troubled. And, and you know, because of the virus or because of isolation or because of change, loss of jobs and a hundred other things. But here's the deal. They just don't know what to do about it. You know, to, to take one's life is not a rational thing. Why do they do it? Because they're not thinking right. They just don't. They're, they're, they're stirred up. They're troubled. They're depressed. And they don't know what to do. Well, Jesus tells us what to do. We are going to come to that place. You, probably some of y'all are, are there right now because of something. It could be your health. It could be a relationship. It could be finances. It could be a thousand things. And your heart is stirred. It's troubled. So I want to ask you to ask this question, what shall I say? And then remind you, Romans 10, 8, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. What are we going to say? We need to find out what God says that we're supposed to say. Lord, what do you want me to say? I, in fact, I was, I, I, was, I was troubled over some little issue this past week, and I was kind of talking to God about it, and, and I felt like I was pretty certain I heard these words. Well, practice what you've been preaching. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. That's, amen, I can do that. <laughs> what do we believe? Jesus said, I'm the way. He's the way out. Romans 10, 13 says, no temptation has taken us. It's not common to man. God's faithful. He won't allow us to be tempted above what we're able to handle. But will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. Jesus, you're the way. Holy Spirit's in us. You can show us. You can teach us. You can tell me how to handle this. And I want to tell you, one of the first things he's going to say is, is there's no condemnation if you're in Christ. There's, you say, yeah, but I, just, I shouldn't come to this place. Have you ever thought that? I shouldn't be afraid. I shouldn't be depressed. Or maybe I shouldn't be sick. Or I shouldn't be this or that. Well, maybe not. But there's no condemnation if you're in Christ. 
He's still for you, not against you. You may be in a rough way. You may be in a, in a tough time, but he's still right there for you 100%. He loves you. He loves people. I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we have a God that is patient. He's long-suffering with us. And his love, we sing about it, it never ends. It never ends. He's for us. So what shall I say? I could give you other examples of Romans chapter 4. Uh, Paul said that. What shall we say about Abraham? And so on. And, and he said, well, if Abraham were justified by works, he's got something to boast about. But he was justified by faith. So that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to trust him. What shall I say? Well, the word's near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It's a word of faith that we preach. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm with you. He said, I'm, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'm for you, not against you. And he says, I love you. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, <clears throat> God, that you're a God who loves us. You love us passionately. You love us intimately. You, your love, Lord, never ends, as you said. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're, you're able, you're willing, you are working to, God, just to work in us to, to work out your will and your plan and purpose in our lives. And Lord, that plan and purpose is good. I know sometimes, God, we wonder because of things that happen in our lives. And Lord, our hearts do become troubled. And Lord, I know there's some here this morning that are, can say, yeah, you know, my heart is troubled right now. My heart is troubled I, over situations and circumstances. But Lord, you said you have a peace a peace that comes from you that goes beyond our understanding that we can experience in our hearts. Father, we love you.